We continue our season review on the different aspects of the team today. We are going to take a look at perhaps the strongest aspect of the team, and that would be the infield. What is the outlook for next season? Can we trust Gorman? Do they need a shortstop? All on today's episode of Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Haffern. I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan. And I am your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. Follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals on Twitter. We want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Make sure to like and subscribe and comment so you can interact with us. Hit that notification button if you have a chance, so that way you know when our, our videos go live. The uh, likes and the subscriptions, those are huge, especially those likes, too. Like Subscriptions are great, and we appreciate each and every one of them. But when you're watching it, make sure you hit the like button because that helps get those videos out to all of the rest of the Cardinals fans who may not have found us yet. They don't know we're out here. We're here. We're working for the Cardinal fan. And uh, we want them to be a part of everything that we're doing. It's a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Now, if you are watching on YouTube right now, you'll notice I am rocking some St. Louis Blues gear here today. Season and home opener coming up on Saturday night at Enterprise Center. Be sure to check out Locked on Blues with our host, Josh Hyman, part of our Locked on Network. So uh, I just want to throw that out there. I'm excited for hockey season, man. I, I love it. I know Cardinal fans and Blues fans, we're, we're together in all of this stuff when it comes to uh, loving St. Louis sports. And uh, it's a big deal to have the Blues back on the ice coming up this weekend. But let's talk some uh, some baseball first. How about we do that, okay? Uh, coming into the season, the Cardinals had quite the infield set up. Over at first base, it was Paul Goldschmidt, Gold Glover. Second base, Tommy Edmond, Gold Glover. Shortstop, Paul DeYoung, Steady Glove, hoping to turn things around at the plate. Third baseman, Nolan Arenado, Gold Glover. Those three combined with Bader and O'Neill became the first team with five Gold Glove winners. And then you had Yachty as a finalist at catcher. So you were set up defensively. I mean, holy crap, what a defensive infield. And if the young wasn't at shortstop, you had coming into the season, Edmundo Sosa backing him up, who was a pretty darn good shortstop with the glove and hit a commendable 271 the year before with six home runs and 27 RBIs to go with DeYoung's off year because he only hit 197, but he still had some pop. Remember, 19 bombs, 45 RBIs. You put their two seasons, combine them, put them together, you got a 234 average, but 25 home runs and 72 RBIs, pretty good defense. You would take that, right? It, it didn't seem so bleak. Certainly, we had question marks about what the shortstop position was going to be like, but you didn't think it was like end of the world type of things happening at shortstop where it was just going to be this empty spot for the offense. Now, Goldie was coming off his third year with the team, but only his second full one due to the COVID year. He had hit his normal Goldie Self, the previous year, 294, 31 home runs, 99 RBIs. This year, he had his second highest average ever in a season. Hit 317. His career high was 321. Second highest home run total, 35. Career high, 36. Third highest RBI total this year, 115. His highest ever during his time in Arizona, 125. 
And the bummer part about those numbers is that he was set to smash all of those records for himself until September came. And then his numbers start plummeting. He goes down to 245. It's just two home runs. The last one on September 7th. He went 20, I think it was 22 games without hitting a home run. That's three weeks of baseball for Paul Goldschmidt not to hit a long ball. And he only had 10 RBI. So some are speculating that he might have hurt himself at some point or another in September. And that's when things started to go sour for him. I haven't heard any sort of thing that, that proves that he was hurt. I haven't heard him speak about it. I haven't heard any beat reporters say anything about it. So to my knowledge, he was not hurt. But you see how bad the numbers got and you wonder. You're like, what happened here? Um, he will likely win the NL MVP still. So there's not much to complain about here besides the September swoon and the no-show in the playoffs, okay? We know that was a problem. 0 for 7, four strikeouts, a complete ghost against the Phillies. Still got two years left on his deal. On to Nolan Arenado. Kind of in the same boat here. Bit of a down year in his first year with the Cardinals, only because of the 255 average, because that's that's bad <laughs> for Arenado's standards. Uh, he still had 34 home runs and drove in 105 RBIs coming into the year. And uh, he comes back, worked on some things in the offseason, felt really good about himself and where he was physically, wins player of the month twice, does it in April and in August. He finishes hitting the season 293, 30 home runs, 103 RBIs, and will also likely get some NL MVP votes. But just like Goldie, his bat just kind of disappeared in September and October. He hits just 221, two home runs and 14 RBIs. And in the playoffs against the Phillies, Nolan hits the ball hard a couple of times, but they don't fall in. They don't go as hits. He ends up going one for eight with one run scored, two strikeouts, zero RBIs. The Cardinals' demise against the Phillies outside of the meltdown in the ninth inning of game one can largely be pointed to the fact that their two best hitters all season just didn't produce when they needed them to. And yes, I know you have other bats in the lineup that need to step up. I get that. But when those are your two best hitters and they've carried you the whole season and then they just disappear for almost an entire month and in those two games. I mean, teams are built around their best players. And when your best players don't show up, you're going to lose more times than not. That's just the way it works. Now, Arenado can opt out of his deal, but from all indications, he's not going to do that. That's not going to happen. And thank the heavens for that because he's arguably the best third baseman in all of Major League Baseball. And I'm not going to let one bad month or two bad postseason games change my mind about that. He's a freaking stud. Same for Goldschmidt. He's a stud. It was unfortunate that they had bad months and that the, those bad months crept over into the postseason. But these are your pillars on this team that you build around. You don't tear them down and start talking trash about them and saying how maybe we ought to replace them. No, that's moronic. That's dumb. You're being stupid if you think that way. Don't do that. Be smarter. Now, we are going to jump into the questions surrounding the middle infield next because that's where things really kind of got interesting this season. So uh, we'll get into that next. In fact, do the Cardinals need a shortstop? That is a question that we're going to answer. We'll do that next. Now, have you ever noticed that when you look good, you feel good? Like, I'm rocking this, this blues thing right now, and I love it. I love all of the blues gear that I have, and I feel good about myself when I wear them. You know, you get ready for work or or a date or some kind of big event and you take those final glances in the mirror and you're checking yourself out and you're like, I look good. 
And when you do that and you hit the door, you feel good. You feel more confident when you're going out to do whatever it is you got to do. Clothing is very important. And if you need to upgrade your closet for this fall, don't waste time. Don't, don't think about it. Go find Roan. That's what you got to do. Look no further than Roan. They got you covered. Now, wearing a suit and a tie, that's not my deal. I'm not normally that guy, but I still got to do it from time to time. The wife makes me go out to fancy restaurants or we got to go to weddings or, heaven forbid, you got to go to a funeral or something like that. And um, the fit's just got to be right on anything that you're wearing, okay? And you don't want things to be baggy. You don't want them to blouse out. You don't want them too tight. You need it to be exact. And let's be honest, the dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention. And Roan stepped up to the challenge. They've got a thing called the Roan's Commuter Shirt. It's the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man. And here's why. Comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way. From your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf, which unfortunately the Cardinals are probably playing today. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's that easy. You don't have to pull out the ironing board. You don't have to wait for it to warm up and then go through all the motions, trying to make sure that every single wrinkle is out. I don't like doing it. Neither do you. And nobody wants to hang out with the stinky guy. And with the Gold Fusion anti-odor technology that Roan has, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether, which gets quite expensive. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to Roan. That's R-H-O-N-E dot com slash locked on use the code locked on it's time to find your corner office comfort we're talking infield next on locked on cardinals the middle infield that was an interesting spot to say the least this season with the the rocks the pillars as i've called them of goldie and arenado on the corners you had a feeling if there was going to be some drama this season it would be in the middle infield now tommy edmund Wow, another great season. We all love Tommy Edmond. He's a switch hitter. Great speed. Gold Glover. Coming into the season, he's your second baseman, right? Hit 262, 11 home runs, 56 RBIs, 30 stolen bases, 41 doubles the year before. And the odd part was that his on-base percentage, even with all those numbers, was just 308. So you you wanted some improvement there. You want you want Tommy on base more. Because when he's on base more, that means Arenado and Goldie are hitting with guys on base, right? That's the idea. And he does great stuff again this year. Hits 265. Look how consistent this is. 262 to 265. 11 home runs, 13 home runs. 56 RBIs, 57 RBIs. 30 stolen bases, 32 stolen bases. Doubles go down a little bit. Hit 41 the previous year. Gets 31 this year. But his on-base percentage... That goes up from 308 to 324. He struck out a little bit more, but he also walked a little bit more. And you got to remember, he was also moving from second base to shortstop after Paul DeYoung struggled so bad that he got sent down to Memphis. So he had to switch positions in the middle of the season. He finished ranked 13th in the league in overall war at 6.3. That was tied with a guy you might have heard of uh, with the Angels. His name's Mike Trout. Some people call him the best all-around baseball player in the league. Uh, defensive war, he finished third overall in the league at 2.8. So a terrific season for Tommy Two Bags, as people like to call him. 
Do I prefer him at second base than shortstop? Absolutely. But it's not like you have scrubs over at second base and you just had no answers. When Tommy slid over to shortstop, the combination of two rookies took his place at second base. It was Brendan Donovan and Nolan Gorman. Donovan got called up on April 25th. Pleasant surprise, right? He hits 281, five home runs, 45 RBIs. The big number for Donovan is his on-base percentage, 394. So how good is that? For those of you who aren't stat nerds, if he had qualified with enough at-bats because he didn't get called up till, uh, you know almost a month into season, that would rank him sixth in all of baseball and on-base percentage. Sixth. That's crazy, right? <laughs> like names like Judge and Soto, Freddie Freeman, Paul Goldschmidt. Those are the names ahead of him. And then there's there's Donovan <laughs> doing his thing at 394. And then we got Gorman, top prospect in the system, coming into the season. He mashes his way to the big leagues in May, where he started, I guess, fine. Like he, you saw the power that he possessed. He hits 14 home runs in 89 games. A lot of that damage first three months when he was on the team. After that, things cooled off just a bit. His average falls down to 226. The strikeouts start piling up. We knew that was going to be an issue. And he ended up losing pretty much all of his playing time. He wasn't being used anymore, so they sent him back to Memphis so he could at least still play because he wasn't playing with the Cardinals anymore. You combine their numbers of Donovan and Gorman, you get a 253 average, 19 home runs, and 80 RBIs. You would take that from a starting second baseman, right? That would put you in the rankings of all of Major League Baseball second baseman. With those numbers combined, that would put you third in RBIs, fourth in home runs in Major League Baseball. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Paul DeYoung. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Paul DeYoung. He's a guy. Gosh. He hits 285 with 25 home runs as a rookie back in 2017. And we're like, ho, ho. Cardinals hit the jackpot on this one, right? And then he saw his average dip every single year except the COVID year. So he falls to 241, but he still hits 19 home runs in 2018. Then he goes down to 233, but he hits 30 home runs in 2019. Then the COVID year happens. He hits 253 home runs. He gets the COVID. I think that's what happened. Remember, he get, got the COVID, and then he just didn't feel good. And everybody was like, okay, he's, he's it's a wash this year for him. He's struggling because of that. We'll go to next year. But then he hits 197 with 19 home runs. And then this year, it is a ghastly 157 batting average with six home runs. He had like those couple of games right when he caught called back up from Memphis where he looked like the old Paul DeYoung. And then it just went away again. The dude cannot hit the fastball up in the zone. He just can't do it. And I don't know why. I don't want, I don't know. I'm not a hitting coach. I can't explain it to you but he can't do it, and he can't stop swinging at it either. And here's the kicker, and you guys are going to love this. DeYoung has another year on that six-year deal that he signed in 2018. I get this question all the time. What's his contract like? He's got one more year left on that deal. He's going to get paid $9 million next year. $9 million. And then uh, there are two club options after that at 12 and a half each, and you know the club's not going to pay him that. That's not going to happen. I don't know what they're going to do with him. You can bite the bullet and cut him and pay him to go away. Like, I think you still have to give him all $9 million. I don't think there's like a, a buyout thing there for anything less. You could try to trade him somewhere, but $9 million for a 157 hitter. Not going to be a lot of people banging on the door to try to get this guy, you know? 
He still got a good glove at shortstop. You saw that at the end of the year. They would bring him in for uh, defensive substitutions. But maybe a change of scenery will do him some good. But I and almost everyone I know have seen enough of this. And we do not want him on the roster next year. Like, we're, we're fed up. Edmundo Sosa, or Edmundo Sosa, um, couldn't hit a lick with the Cardinals this year. I don't know what happened to him either, because he's been fine with Philadelphia. But they swapped him out for JoJo Romero just before the trade deadline when they realized he just wasn't going to be in their plans anymore. Now he's in Philly, ends up catching the last out against the Cardinals, scores on that Goldschmidt play at the plate in game one. Just rubbing it in our face. Moving on. So I give you all these stats and I give you all of this information. So why is everyone clamoring for a short a shortstop this offseason? Like, do the Cardinals need a shortstop? Edmund is fine there. Did he look out of place at shortstop? Again, I like him at second base just because of the arm strength. But we also had a guy named David Eckstein for a couple of years who had no arm whatsoever, just a little guy. And he did fine. They won a World Series with David Eckstein. Gorman and Donovan will compete for starts at second base. Both can play some third base when need be. Donovan has shown that he can play all over the infield. He'll play first, third, outfield. I'm sure he can play shortstop if they need him to, which is uh, a good thing to have. You like that Swiss Army knife that can come off the bench and play all of these positions to give guys rest. So chasing someone, the big names like Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, Tim Anderson, Carlos Correa, I don't, I don't think that's what this team does. Would it be nice to have one of those guys? Of course. It'd be fantastic. You know, people wanted them to go out and uh, get Trevor Story and Corey Seager. How did those teams do? Boston, nothing. The Rangers, nothing. Would they have been good on the Cardinals team and help them? Perhaps. But you saw some of the money that those guys made. Correa... Crazy stuff. Let's get into the money part here about shortstop. Um, and I'm not being cheap. I'm just pointing out what these guys are expected to make according to Spot Track. Okay. Trey Turner is 29 years old. He's making $21 million with a market value of $33.6 million. The Dodgers aren't going to let him get away. They're the Dodgers. You can pay for anybody. Dansby Swanson, key cog with the Atlanta Braves, going to be 29, makes $10 million, market value of $22.3 million. I don't, I don't see the Braves going cheap, not bringing Swanson back. Tim Anderson is 29. He makes $9.5 million club option here for 12 and a half. White Sox are going to take that of 12 and a half million for Tim Anderson. I know he was hurt this year, but considering what he normally does, 12 and a half million is, is a bargain. Uh, Correa signed a three-year, $105.3 million deal this offseason with the Twins. And he's already said he's probably going to opt out. I don't know if it's written in stone that he's doing it, but says he's going to opt out, even though he'll make $35 million next year. $35 million. And he's got another opt-out after that year where he can make $35 million again if he wants to stay. And from what I read, he enjoyed his time in Minnesota. So why is he opting out? I don't know. But $35 million a year, is he going to get more than that? That's crazy, right? Do you really see the Cardinals getting involved in these types of numbers? Does that seem like a Cardinal thing to do? And you've also got the up-and-coming uh, Mason Wynn, who made it to double-A this year, probably will start with Jordan Walker at triple-A next year. Locking up a shortstop with that much money doesn't make a lot of sense if Wynn 
could be up as early as next season on the team at some point. I think he's going to be 21. Or he comes up the following year. He's got a lot of uh, potential. Cannon for an arm, a lot of speed. It's the hitting that people worry about, but he showed some pop this year at double A. So his future's quite bright. So the shortstop thing, I don't see them going out and spending a lot of money. If anything, they get like a veteran backup, you know, like an Elvis Andrews or something like that. That's just a name off the top of my head. But I I don't see them going in on this stuff. I'm sorry. And if that's going to disappoint you, I don't want to tell you, Tommy Edmonds pretty darn good, you know? I don't I don't know what you're complaining about at the shortstop position. And you gotta let these other guys play. You can't just say Gorman sucks after 89 games. He's your top prospect. All right. Let's get let's let's the leash needs to be extended a little bit for you people. Okay. I, I have the faith that Gorman will be fine. I think he's gonna be like a 240, 250 hitter, tops, but 30 home run power at the second base position. And again, he's got the ability to go over to third base, give Arnato a couple of days off. He's got a great arm to turn two at second base. And then Donovan, you just move all over the place. So we'll see how it works out. Let's uh, talk a little playoff history next. I love this time of year, and I hate that the Cardinals aren't in it right now because they've had so many cool memories, though. So we're going to take a walk down memory lane. A really weird injury went down on this date, and some say it actually cost the Cardinals a World Series title. And um, also on this date, we had a rookie who would go on to be a major part of a deal for a future Cardinal Hall of Famer throw a gem in the playoffs on this date. We'll talk about it next on Locked on Cardinals. All right, we're going to go back to 1985. St. Louis routes the Dodgers 12-2 to to even the National League Championship Series. However, they lose rookie sensation Vince Coleman on this date to one of the more bizarre injuries in Major League Baseball history. Coleman outstretching before the game when his left leg becomes caught in Bush Stadium's automated tarp as it unrolls across the infield, trapping him for about 30 seconds. As Ozzie Smith, the Wizard of Oz, described the scene in his autobiography, here's what he had to say. Vince was standing right at the edge of the tarp. He turned to toss his glove to somebody who was headed into the dugout, and just as he turned, his foot slipped on the wet AstroTurf. He fell and the tarp rolled over his foot and started up his leg. Vince panicked, as anyone in that situation would, and everybody else kind of froze. Finally, we sprang into action and got the guy controlling the tarp, who was down beyond first base, to shut the thing off. But in order to reverse the tarp, he had to go back over Vince's leg. Vince was in a lot of pain, and nobody really knew what to do. Now, Cardinal spokesperson Jim Toomey, at the time, estimated that the tarp and cylinder weighed approximately 1,200 pounds. That's what was on Coleman's leg. And then Dr. Stan London, the Cardinals team doctor, was initially optimistic about what happened. Preliminary x-rays showed no fractures, and while Coleman's legs had suffered cuts and were tender, the initial diagnosis was that there was no structural damage. The day after the Cardinals won Game 2 of the World Series to take a two-game lead over the Royals, London conducted a new series of tests on Coleman, who hadn't played yet, using a more sensitive film. And his quote was, it's a, it's really a very small one by three millimeter bone flake that's pulled off. It's not a significant injury except for the extreme pain, but it should heal. And I would not anticipate it causing him any problems. Coleman did not play again in the postseason, and the Cardinals fell to the Royals in the World Series. 
a lot of people think he was the reason why they lost because it kind of took away their flair at the top of the order. And who's to argue with that? He was the unanimous rookie of the year in 1985. He stole 110 bases. Then he goes for 107 in 86 and 109 in 1987. He is the last major league baseball player to steal hundred bases in a season and is sixth all time behind Ricky Henderson, Lou Brock, Billy Hamilton, not the Reds, Billy Hamilton, but this was an old guy from the late 1800s, Ty Cobb, and then Tim Raines. All of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Then there's Vince Coleman. And we've also got another uh, moment. 2001, the Cardinals defeat the Arizona Diamondbacks 4-1 to behind rookie pitcher. You guys ready for this one? Bud Smith. Bud Smith to even their NLDS at two games apiece. Fernando Vina hits a two-run shot in this one. Bud Smith was the 18th rookie to ever throw a no-hitter. Did that back on September 3rd, 2001, when he threw 134 pitches. You guys remember that one at all? Holy crap, because you could see Duncan and La Russa, and they're in the dugout, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we got to take this dude out. This kid's going to throw his arm off, which kind of happened. Uh, he's the last Cardinal to throw a no-hitter. Michaelis almost did it this year. Uh, he was also the last person to wear the number 51, which he did his rookie year until the fans got all butthurt about it because that was William McGee's number. So they got mad. So he's like, okay, calm down. I'll switch. Went to number 52. And then number 51 has only been worn by uh, Willie McGee ever since, who is still coaching with the Cardinals. Um, another Bud Smith thing was he was part of that big trade to Philadelphia, along with Placido Polanco and Mike Timlin for Scott Rowland, who was fine. Scott Rowland was fine, but easily the best part of this trade was when they were able to score from the Phillies relief pitcher Doug Nickel. That's right, Doug Nickel who never threw a pitch for the Cardinals. He got claimed off waivers by the Padres in the same year, and then the Mets, uh, and that was pretty much the end of his career. I don't I don't really remember him. I had to look him up. But Doug Nickel was the other guy that got traded with Scott Rowland to the Cardinals in that deal. Rowland goes on to have a phenomenal career with the Cardinals, unfortunately cut short because he couldn't get along with La Russa. They had that whole spat, and then they ended up trading him for Troy Glouse and he went to Toronto and then he was with the Reds and he had a good years there. And I really wish Scott Rowland had gotten to stick around in St. Louis. That, 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 that is a regret for sure. Also real quick before we uh, head out, happy birthday to former Cardinal and Pattonville pirate, Scott Cooper, who turns 55 years old today. Got my Pattonville pirates baseball cap here. That is uh, my alma mater. In case you were wondering why I would have that hat, uh, Scott, a legend at Pattonville, where I went to school, two time all star with Boston. Then he comes to the Cardinals for one year, and I don't know what the hell happened, but he went from hitting 282 and he was an all star. And then he got to St. Louis and hit 230 and hit three home runs, and then it was over. Then he went to Kansas City and then his career was over. I, I don't know what happened to Scott Cooper there. I don't know if it was the pressure of playing in front of the home crowd or whatever, but that was cool to see at least for one year. We got to see Coop. Uh, actually playing a Cardinals uniform. Our old assistant coach at Pattonville, Coach Bob Kitson. Uh, Bobby Big Balls is what we used to call him. Used to talk about his uh, mammoth shots that uh, Scott Cooper used to hit in high school. Uh, I knew his family. I knew I knew his, uh, his dad. I played with his youngest brother, Ricky, back in the day. So um, happy birthday to Pivo legend, Scott Cooper. Let's go Pirates.
Thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Locked On MLB Podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to like and subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that notification button. Follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. You are the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time right here on Locked on Cardinals. Go Blue!